0: So welcome everybody to the Contract Education TAP webinar. Today, we're gonna be learning about strategic planning specifically for your contract education unit. It's, uh, as I said, a very imperative um, action that I hope people are taking as we come out of the pandemic and ready ourselves for an amazing 2021 uh, year ahead. I also, if uh, Greg will go to the next slide, thank you. Today, we've got a strategic planning webinar, but if you mark your calendars for February 23rd, we're going to have two of our statewide directors, John Cordova and Joy Hermson, share with us a training program that they developed that you can have access to for your manufacturers, for your various business and industry partners. And it's called Infection Control for All Now, or the shortened version is the ICANN program. Then on March 23rd, we'll be having another webinar, and this has been really, I think, requested by a lot of people, and it's of a big interest to many. Is how can contract education be used to develop four-credit classes? And we'll be having uh, that. Will be presented by Jonathan Bissell from San Mateo Community College District, and Deanna Crabiel from the San Bernardino Community College District. So we're really excited to have our own uh, presenting some things like that. And we, uh, Faith and I are trying to continually survey you to find out what your interests are and then develop the resource for you or the webinar to share that information with you. So there you go. Those are some upcoming uh, webinars. You can mark your calendar and we'll be sure and promote those to you. So today we have Greg Marcello. Uh, one of our favorite presenters so knowledgeable about contract training contract education across the united states and i'm going to turn it over to gray so thank you you
1: know your business needs online terrific well thank you margaret and thanks everyone for joining me today and um, let me just say for those of you who i haven't met or don't know about learn The Learning Resources Network is an association that supports both contract and continuing education. Um, We were founded in 1974, and I'm one of the co-founders along with Bill Draves. And basically, our focus is what we call information that works, which is the how-to practical end of the business. Best practices, benchmarks, trends, etc., Prior to the pandemic, thus the reason I'm on a horse. I traveled probably about 40 weeks a year visiting programs across North America. And so I've got, um, I really have have had numerous opportunities to meet programs and sort of see what they're doing and what's working and what's not working. And even with the pandemic, I've been doing a lot of that virtually. So I continually try to sort of capture and understand what's happening in our industry and share that information. And so that's what I'm going to be doing today. So the agenda is two parts. So think of this basically as two webinars. I'm first going to talk about contract education 2021 tactics so things to consider for this calendar year we are now in and then i will talk about contract education strategic plan so both of these are topics that margaret and i decided would be useful for folks to hear and so i will stop at the end of each and ask for questions but if you do have questions type those into the question box and margaret will read those to me and i will answer them the best that i can So back in the end of December, I was asked by a variety of contract education units across North America to develop what I'm calling Contract Education 2021 Tactics. So we're talking about the calendar year 2021, so January through December. And I wanted to share what I believed were sort of the tactics that contract education units ought to be considering as they sort of get ready for and then transition into 2021. Certainly 2020 has been very difficult uh, for contract education programs. Many have seen sales go down significantly. Um, and maybe have not gotten the support from their institution that they need. And so it's been a rough time. And as I'll report at the end of this section, we certainly are seeing the sun starting to shine, but it it will be slow. Um, um, And so there are things that really should be done now to sort of prepare for this year we're going into. I understand that some of you who are listening in are a one-person shop and some of you are larger. And so the information that I'm gonna share to the best is really meant for everybody. Certainly, I understand a smaller shop can do less than a larger shop. But again, it's always good to just hear these things so that you know sort of what are some of the things you ought to be thinking about as you consider 2021. So I did break this into four areas and I did share this report with Margaret and Faith earlier and this may have been sent out to people. So you may have seen this report, Margaret shaking your head. So you've seen this report, uh, those of you who had a chance to read it and I'm just gonna take you through it very quickly. Um, and I'm gonna hit on sort of what I consider important points. So there are four areas that I focused <clears throat> on as being critical to be considering when you're thinking about 2021. The first was finances and the points I made was one, income is going to be lower. People ask me what they should compare the calendar year 2021 to. I'm telling them it's going to be no better than 2020 and it could maybe be worse than that. I am feeling that we'll begin to see pickup in the fall. So those numbers may be the numbers that help us do better, but in general, we're not gonna do better than 2020. It is important within your institution that you talk business cycle. Contract education some years does really well and some years does really poorly. It's not like continuing education, which is normally pretty consistent in its business. Um, Contract education can dip for whatever reason and can boom for whatever reason. Third thing is to remind the institution about their mission. Only you and those doing continuing education are really the ones who are reaching out in the community and providing the services that you provide. This is part of your college's mission. And so you are the ones who do it and in most cases you do it really well. In finances, there are cuts to be made um, as we try to adjust to the revenue that's coming in, it is not a good strategy to make cuts across the board. It is better to cut in areas that you feel you can cut. There may be certain programming that should be cut. There may be certain marketing you're doing that's not working that should be cut. So as you think about budget cuts, don't think about across the board. Think about where are the areas that really it's not worth me putting money into this year. This is a good time for negotiation. You're negotiating with instructors. You're negotiating with third-party vendors. They're all looking to get business too, and so they ought to be more flexible regarding what they're charging you. This is a time to manage your production costs. So again, when you're doing a contract, maybe you can't spend as much money on food. Maybe you can't spend as much money on materials. Uh, Maybe we need to do things virtually instead of, of course, face-to-face. So there are things that save money on the production end. Always talk about return on investment. So when you're doing a training for a client, it costs them X amount of dollars. The return on investment ideally should be at least 10 to 1 for them. So if they spent $5,000 $5,000 with you, or are they getting $50,000 in benefits and additional sales um, and cost savings, et cetera? This is a time for partnerships. You can't do it all. This is why you partner with third-party vendors. This is why you may partner with um, other organizations within your community that reach out to business. Um, And so you may partner for marketing support, lead generation, you may partner also for um, content uh, creation. And it's really important to look at your finances on a monthly basis. What was your revenue this month? What were your costs this month? What many contracts did you sell this month? Even though it may be disappointing numbers to look at, you need to look at them. You need to realize that we don't want to sort of put them to the side and just think that, you know, they're not good, so I'm not going to worry about them. Look at them, celebrate whatever successes and focus on things that maybe you can fix going forward. Second area is leads and sales. During this year, what's most important is you stay visible. You may not get contracts, but stay visible. Stay in contact with your clients. Send them some content. Um, invite them to a free webinar, whatever. But just stay visible so they know you're there. Be creative. This is a time you many of you have already been creative with online, but you may need to be creative in other ways that you deliver the content that you're going to be selling to your clients. Um, to- your clients. Definitely focus on leads. You may not be getting contracts, but you're getting leads. I will say across the industry, what most successful contract education programs are saying to me is they've generated a lot of leads that ultimately will turn into business down the line, and they're just working on cultivating those leads. So So don't be be concerned about that. I'm not getting contracts. Well, I shouldn't worry about getting leads. Yes, focus on getting leads. Let potential clients test you out. This is a time maybe you do things for free. You invite them to a, a training that you're doing and offer it as free so they can just get a sense for who you are. You want to review your pipeline weekly. So the pipeline is basically the potential contracts you have and at what level they are um, towards closing. And you do want to look at it on a weekly basis and see whatever actions you might be able to take to move a client along in the pipeline. This is a time and always is a time to lead on, lean on people up the ladder, be it if it's your president, a chancellor, whatever the title might be a uh, provost, whatever, who can help you get into doors. This is a the time they ought to be helping even more than they might've helped in the past. Um, this isn't lean, there should be leads. So build lead generation campaigns. Every quarter, do two things. Do a president's breakfast, do a free webinar, do an email campaign. These are not things that take lots of time, but do them in an effort that they're going to generate some leads for you. Um, Provide options. Whenever you're you're going out to to provide a proposal um, or even to provide the final contract, provide options. What I mean by that is don't just give them one price or one option, give them three options. You know, there's three different things we can do for you. And, you know, this is the cheapest, this is the mid-range, this is the most expensive. But the more options you can give, the more discussion will continue. It's easier to say no to one option. And always ask for referrals. You should be going back now and asking your clients from last year for referrals. And if you are selling any contracts this year, ask for referrals. That's going to be, you know, repeat business and referrals should be 75% of your sales. And so you need to be asking for those referrals. Third area is products and services. So we always want to talk solutions our job is talking to our clients about what is the solution we can provide for you so it's not just training it's solutions and a lot of times solutions are based on productivity how can we help you be more successful more productive as a business online transition is critical i'm sure that many of you have been you have been challenged by making this transition but it's going to stay and so we're going to need to be able to offer training online. And so whatever work you can do in that area is still important to do. During a time where things are tough, a lot of times we don't follow protocol. So whatever your sales process that you follow, whatever the documentation that you use, it's important you stay consistent with that. Because when we try to bend the rules all the time and have all these exceptions, it just makes things more complicated for us. This is not a time for risk. This is not a time for building new products that you don't have clients to buy. It is a time to focus on targeted markets. Again, you can't be everything to everybody. If you're doing really well with health right now, then just focus on health. You know, Manufacturing may take another 12 months to, bu- to bounce back. So don't worry about having to serve them all. Serve the ones who you know can actually purchase right now. Use advisory groups. You know, you might have an advisory group for your whole um, contract education unit that's sort of just providing you general advice, but then also you may have advisory groups that support certain areas that you do training and, and um and services in. Be the expert, have three to seven primary areas that you're good at. Again, you know, you may be good at leadership training, you may be good at healthcare services, you may be good. Um, You know, at supervisory training, focus on the areas that you're experts in. So you're not building a lot of new products right now. And also that this is what you're known for. This is what your um, instructors and consultants are best at. Quality is your number one priority. So At the After every contract, you want to do quality assurance and go back to your client and ask them to rate the service one through five. One, it was terrible. Five, it was outstanding. You want to be scoring on an average four or higher. If you're not doing a good job with quality, nothing else matters. And then stay up to date. So you have certain products that you're selling consistently. And all you want to do is make sure that that information that's being being trained to your consult being trained to your clients is as up to date as possible. And then the fourth area is staffing. Again, I understand that some of you are smaller and you might be the one person doing it all, but someone does have to sell because if we're not selling we don't get contracts. Accountability is important. That's why you've got to pick what are the most important numbers you want to be looking at. I always say in contract education, the most important numbers are average contract fee. So on an average, what are people spending with you? And then how many leads does it take to get a contract? Normally it takes four leads to get one contract. What's that ratio for you? Um, You wanna schedule time slots. So for example, You only have so much staff, you only have so much time. Well, maybe Friday is the time that you focus on lead generation. You know, And maybe Monday is the time that you focus on your development of products, et cetera. But try to sort of schedule time slots so that the things that are important that you do, do get done. Follow a sales process. At Learn, we teach a sales process that has multiple steps to it. But what is that process that you follow? This is a good time for staff training, your own training, because things may not be as busy right now. So this is how you increase your intellectual capital. I'm very pleased by the, the, the webinars that Margaret just announced. Those are great topics and those are great things for you to be talking about. Have a vision and communicate it. I'm going to talk more about this in a moment. Um, Engage your staff in determining solutions. During tough times, it's even more important to make sure that you're all communicating with each other about what needs to be done. Use technology, you know, have a CRM that you're using that can generate your pipeline, that can communicate out on a monthly basis, let's say to your clients with some some content. And then, yeah, you want to make it as fun as possible. I mean, these are tough times. Um, Many of us are nervous about our jobs, what's going to happen to our contract, education unit, et cetera. But on the other end, we've got to try to make it as fun as we can. One of the things I want to say along with this is that I do believe as we come out of the pandemic, that there are going to be what I call pandemic recovery business models businesses are going to operate differently than they do today. Probably the biggest one is they're gonna be doing certainly more telecommuting than they've ever done before. So you want to keep this in mind as being an important piece of what you're trying to gear your efforts towards. So one, how do you help your clients to determine their new business model? What consulting can you provide them there? Two, what, is the, what are the employee skills that are going to be critical to this new business model and what training can you provide to support that? And then what solutions are going to help them be able to make this transition to the new business model? So what additional consulting or research or things can you do that are going to help them be successful? Again, in our industry, although we want to serve everyone, it's hard to serve everyone. And so there may be certain businesses that during this next year, we end up putting more energy into working with more than we do others, because we know they can afford the time and the money in order to do that. And so I would keep in mind that our clients are going to look different coming out of the pandemic. And how do you help prepare them for that? Here's the thing I do want to say to you is that as I was saying earlier, I do think that if you're looking at revenue or sales for 2021, most likely it is not going to exceed 2020. For some of you, it could be better than 2020. For some of you, it could be worse, but I don't think it will be better on an average in our industry. I do believe that things are going to change starting in the fall. The successful programs are focused right now on what they call preparing for the wave. Because once things open up, our clients are going to need us more than they needed us two years ago. And so we need to be ready for that. And one of the things that we're working on at LEARN is documenting now what are the things to do to help you prepare for the wave, because this is going to begin to occur as we get into the fall. And personally, I believe that for many of us, 2022 is gonna be a banner year. And so we need to be prepared. So these tactics that I've talked about for 2021 help us prepare, but then there are also things that I'm listening to successful programs out there say that they're doing to help them prepare for the wave. But the point is, yes, today, we're probably a little downtrodden by what's going on and we sort of feel like it's never gonna get better, but it is gonna get better and we need to be prepared for that. So let me just stop there for a moment. Again, as I said, you do have a handout on this that provides this, you know more detail than what I just did on those topics as things to think about. Um, But if there are any questions, Margaret, that have come up, feel free to share them. If not, I'll continue into the strategic plan component.
0: Okay. I haven't seen any. A few people have sent me their emails to get a copy of that um, contracted tactics report. We sent it out to our listserv. I think, Greg, you gave us that at the end of December, if I remember right.
1: that, That sounds right.
0: Right. So we, we have sent it out to everybody, but I will, I will be happy if you send me an email or put your email address in the chat, I'll get you the contracted 2021 tactics report. Um, everybody is saying good points so far, Greg. I think they're enjoying okay. it. And what you're hitting upon, these four areas are extremely critical. Um, Jonathan says, riding the wave is the term we've been using to describe the macro level train-the-trainer work we started in 2020 that drove revenues and appears to be carrying forward. Great. And uh, yeah, people people are just very happy with your uh, webinar so far. So thank you yeah. again. And here we go good, on strategic.
1: <laughs> it's a good point. There are, well, there are contract education units out there that are reporting. The numbers are still good. You know, so for some it is working and for some it is definitely hard. All right, so let's shift into the second topic, which is strategic plan. So let me just start by saying that there is a strategic planning process. So we go through strategic planning and sort of figuring out what it is we need to be focused on going forward. And with that, we build a strategic plan. So as we go through this presentation, you're gonna hear me using strategic planning as well as strategic plan as topics. But just to keep in mind that both of those are part of what we're talking about today. So for me, as I work with contract education units across North America, and we together do strategic planning, these are the three components that make up strategic planning in my mind. One is you've got to have a three-year vision statement. Two is you gotta have a strategic plan. And three is you gotta have a one-year business plan. And we're gonna talk about each of these three, but let me just say to you that you're gonna hear me when we get to the one-year business plan say that if you don't have a one-year business plan, meaning basically a way, a method of implementing your strategic plan, then it's not worth doing the strategic plan And I would argue that you can't build a strategic plan unless you know where you wanna be three years from now. So all three components are critical when we talk about strategic planning. So let's first talk about vision statement. So in my mind, the farthest that we can think out is three years. So if you're in a fiscal year, you're thinking out the next three fiscal years. So where am I going to be three years from now? To me, when I think about a vision statement, these are the components of the vision statement. First of all, making sure that it's clear about what my values, my core values are, and what my core focus is. You've heard me talk earlier about expertise. You can't be everything to everybody. This is defining what that focus is. If you're gonna explain to me what it is you do, who it is you service, that would be what I consider your core focus. USP is considered your unique selling proposition. So very simply, why do your clients buy from you? Why do they select you versus selecting your competitors? You know, it could be your mix of uh, products, it could be the customer service you provide, it could be that you are ahead of the wave and you're able to provide them services Um, that they need to be successful in their business. There could be lots of different reasons why you're unique, but this is not something you know. This is something your clients tell you. So by working with your clients, you want to help identify what it is that makes you unique, but that's a component of your vision statement. Measurables are your numbers. So three years from now, what's my sales going to be? Three years from now, what's my average contract going to be? Three years from now, What's my lead to contract ratio going to be three years from now? What's my operating margin going to be? These are the numbers, whatever numbers you pick. But these are the measurables. These are things that three years from now you can look at and say, yes, we did it. No, we didn't. The next one is think of this as a bulleted list. What will contract education look like three years from now? What will staffing look like? What will your technology look like? What will your product mix look like? So it's you projecting three years from now and saying, this is what we want to look like. This is what we're moving towards. And let me just say, the more realistic you can be with this, the better. Same thing with your measurables. You want to be realistic. You want, don't want to do things that you are never going to reach. You want to do things that you can actually surpass. And then 10 years is just sort of taking the three years and saying, okay, as I think 10 years out, what are we going to look like? And that could just be one number. It could be a sales number. It could be a number of clients, something that you feel definitely would speak to where you'd like to be 10 years from now. It doesn't have the detail of three years. It's much more of a high level view of where we hope to be. So you wanna document, you wanna communicate this vision statement because the vision statement really is what hopefully is gonna motivate your team to be able to move forward. And the more engaged, of course, they are in building that vision statement, the better. So an inspirational description of what contract education would like to achieve over the next three years. It's intended to serve as a clear guide for choosing current and future courses of action. Basically, it's one piece that's driving your strategic plan on the right just speak to some of the things I just said a minute ago, the vision may have revenue information contracts we hope to sell operating margin or net key benchmarks, what's the structure going to look like What are new markets that we're going to be going into? What might be some new product directions we're moving in? What are we doing to shore up our infrastructure? That could be technology too. What are we doing to increase staff intellectual capital? So basically, we're trying to build a statement, one page at the best, that sort of speaks to what we're going to look like three years from now. To me, you got to do that before you can build a strategic plan because you got to have some sense of where you want to be. So when we talk about strategic plans, let me just say that I understand there are millions of strategic plan templates out there. So there's lots of them. And you may already be having some of your instructors and consultants teach strategic planning and they've got models and templates, et cetera. Again, I'm not saying my template is the best template, but I'm saying from my perspective, some of the things I'll talk about in the strategic plan I think are important for you to include in whatever template you're using. To me, the two most important things in the strategic plan are, what are the new directions you plan to be going in over the next three years? And what areas do we need to focus on improving? And we'll look at both of these here in more detail. But to me, they're like the two primary buckets. I will show you in a moment that to me, the strategic plan is four components, but these are two components. And in my mind, the most important components. So think about new directions as new revenue streams. This is money we're not taking in right now. And so a new revenue stream could be a new product or service area. You know, for example, you know, we are not doing leadership training. We might do every once in a while leadership training, but it's really not a key component of our toolkit. And we're going to develop that product and we're going to have multiple possible trainings and services that will be part of it. So don't think of it as like one contract. Think of it as something that we can now do, which will allow us to sell multiple contracts to clients. So a new product area could be a new direction. A new delivery method could be a new direction. So again, for most of us, online has been that. We've had to adjust to online. That's a new delivery method. Thus, it's a new revenue stream because it's a new way of bringing money in that we didn't have as part of our toolkit before. And then the third way is audience, you know, we've never done work with hospitals, you know, healthcare, etc. Now we're going to go after this audience and try to sell this audience. So the point is, is that we're talking about revenue streams that don't exist today. You might be doing one online class here and you maybe did one contract for healthcare and maybe you've you you know you've got some leadership products, but you haven't really sort of grown this area. You haven't really grown this as a revenue area. And so think of it definitely as way more than something you would sell one contract. On the left here are the guidelines. So we have to have a process of deciding, you know, what is going to be the new directions. We don't just sort of pick them out of the air and hope for the best. So we need to have a process. Before we can have a process, which I'll show you in a moment, we need to have guidelines. So if you came to my office and said, I've got a great new direction, here are the questions I would ask you, thus these are the guidelines. One is, will it last for three years? Can you sell this for three years? Two is, within three years, will it be 5 to 10% of our sales? Three is, within three years, will it have a 50% or better operating margin? And then four is, who are you going to sell it to? One, two, and three, you can probably convince me of, but four, you've got to be able to tell me these are the potential or existing clients we're going to go after and sell this to. Because if you can't identify who you're going after, it's not worth doing. So you remember the movie, Jerry Maguire, show me the money, show me the money. Well, here it's show me the names. Because if you can't convince me that this is the client group you're going to go after, then I'm not going to be all excited about saying this is a new direction we ought to put resources into. The other thing I would say is unless you're doing more than two to three million dollars right now, probably one new direction a year is plenty. So all too often, we try to do way too many things, take on way too many new directions or initiatives. What I'm saying is we want to focus on one a year. Now, that doesn't mean we're not working on more than one a year, but we want to introduce one a year. So this is what this is saying. Let's assume we're in fiscal year 22. So most of us fiscal year 22 starts July 1. So let's just say we're in fiscal year 22. In fiscal year 22, you are going to be brainstorming and researching new directions for fiscal year 24. But also in fiscal year 22, you're going to be looking at the ones you brainstormed and researched last year, and you're gonna pick the best three, model them financially, basically put numbers to each of them and determine what the best one is, thus the one you're gonna select to go forward with. Also in fiscal year 22, you're gonna roll out the one that in the previous year that you said you wanted to develop and roll out and you're gonna do it. And then also in fiscal year 21, you're gonna evaluate the one you rolled out the year before. The point here is, is that during one fiscal year, you are doing four things. And so if you look at the chart on the right, that's a lot easier to understand. In fiscal year 22, I'm brainstorming and researching for fiscal year 24, I'm selecting the best three and modeling them for fiscal year 23. I'm developing and rolling out the one for fiscal year 22. And I'm about deciding on getting rid of maybe or improving the one I rolled out in fiscal year 21. In most cases, a new direction ought to be successful because you put a lot of work and time into it. It's not like saying, I'm just gonna sort of develop this one um, course and see how it goes. Here, we're looking at a whole new area that can generate significant money for you. So the first point here is, is that a key component of your strategic plan in my mind is, the, is doing the work on figuring out new directions. So where what, what are we looking to do over the next three years? The second area is areas of improvement. And this breaks into three components, the areas themselves, the actions we need to take, and then the timeline we're gonna follow what you're looking at here or what I believe for our industry are the nine areas you ought to think about. So if you're going to sit down as a team and talk about improvement, you'd say, well, what do we need to do better in finances? What do we need to do better in sales? What do we need to do better in needs assessment? So think of each of these as a bucket that you talk about, and you come up with a list of actions that you need to take in those areas in order to improve them. So These are the areas, you brainstorm the actions, and then ultimately you give those actions a timeline. Probably easier if we look at an example. So one of those areas was called marketing and lead generation. So you brainstormed a lot of stuff, and then you said, all right, let me build a timeline for those improvements. So in fiscal year 22, I'm going to do these three things. In fiscal year 23, I'm going to do these three things. In fiscal year 24, I'm going to do these three things. So you're setting for yourself the actions that you're going to take. You're giving them a timeline that you're gonna follow. Again, I always argue, don't take on too many things. You know, three a year in a certain area is probably plenty. So you want to make sure that what you're actually deciding to do you can actually get done in some cases some of those areas we just looked at a moment ago you may have one thing that you're working on during an upcoming year so it doesn't mean you have to have a lot of different actions that you're taking they need to be what you consider critical actions to get you to that vision statement we talked about a moment ago so the second piece that i think is critical are these areas of improvement. Sometimes when I'm working with programs, when I've done a review for them, I actually build for them what I call an improvement plan. And that's pretty much what this is. This, that could be very simply rolled into a strategic plan. So when I think about the actual structure of a strategic plan, I believe there are four parts to a strategic plan. The first part can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be. This is the foundation. This is where you describe who you are. This is where your mission statement is. This is where your value statements are found, your unique selling proposition, whatever environmental scanning you've done, whatever SWOT analysis you've done. This is where you list the key data that you track and maybe look at the last three years. This is where you would list the primary market segments that you sell. This is where you would provide information about your competitors. So it's, it's like a report. It would be something that if I read, I would understand who you are. And so think of that as your foundation. And that is something that, um, again, speaks to who you are. The second piece of the strategic plan is what we talked about early, which is your vision statement. So that vision statement we talked about, that one pager that had those five boxes of information in them, that's what goes in there. That's number two. The third part is the new directions we just talked about a moment ago. So very simply, if these were the fiscal years we would be talking about, you would be plugging in what it is you're doing. So for example, fiscal year 24, you haven't done it yet. So you're saying we're going to brainstorm and research fiscal year 23. You've already done this. You've already picked your three, and so you're going to list those three and say these are the ones this year. You know we're going to, we need to model during this year, 22. This is the one we've decided we're going to roll out, and 21. This is the one we rolled out last year, and we're going to make a decision on moving forward with. So this can have as much detail as you need it to have. And then the fourth area, the areas of improvement. What are the areas? What are the actions? What's the timeline? So as we think about a strategic plan, think about it having these four components. Foundation explains who you are. Vision statement talks to where you want to be three years from now. New directions outlines the new revenue streams and the actions you're taking to get there. And area four talks about the areas you just need to get better at. You need to improve and the actions that you've decided to take in order to support that. The areas of improvement are pretty critical, particularly the actions when it gets to the next part of planning, which is your one-year business plan. Because these actions then become, as I get to fiscal year 22, these are the actions that then become part of my one-year business plan so you heard me say earlier let me just reiterate that the vision statement's great the strategic plan is great but if you can't put in place a one-year business plan then those other two are not going to be successful for you so if someone said to me push comes to shove what should i do first i would say build your one-year business plan for your next fiscal year so if your fiscal year starts. July one, fiscal year 22, then I would say start now on building that one-year business plan. Because normally you start on your one-year business plan six months out and you have it ready three months out because you're already doing things in those next three months that are going to impact your next fiscal or your next yeah your next fiscal year. So what are the components of a one-year business plan? One is your annual goals, so think back on those improvements, those actions. These are the goals. These are the things that we need to do in this year. That's your annual goals. So it's those are coming from your strategic plan. The second is your budget. So whatever your budget is for the coming year and however you report your budget, your budget, and then whatever are the key benchmarks you're tracking overall. So you might be concerned for my average contract fee. You might be concerned for your overall repeat rate. You might be concerned for your overall lead to contract ratio. So there are certain benchmarks that are important to you overall. Let me just sidebar in this for a second too and just say, remember it's not about how many benchmarks you have. It's about the ones that are most critical for you to be tracking. So. Again, we only have so much time to be able to collect and analyze, et cetera, data. So pick the benchmarks that you think have the greatest impact on your success. The third area I call division plan. So for example, this may be broken down either by product area or by market segments that you sell. You may have, for example, a division for health. You may have a division for manufacturing. You may have a division for um, uh, a service industry. So those could be divisions or divisions could be products. Supervisory training is a a product area. That's a division. While consulting may be another division. So you sort of have to think about the structure of who you are and what, what you sell to determine what those divisions might be. Each division would have a revenue goal. Each division would have an operating margin goal. Each division, you would be projecting how many contracts you have to sell because if you know what your revenue goal is and you know what your average contract sells for, that tells you how many contracts you gotta sell. Each division is gonna list its primary market segments that, need, that it's selling and each division's gonna have its selling strategies. Think of, you know, each, if you're, think of it this way, is like if I'm responsible for a division, it's like my plan. Some of you may be of a size that you don't have divisions. And so basically it's just, you know, one plan. This is our plan for the whole, the whole, on um, the whole unit. But some of you may be larger where there are divisions. So if you are larger then each of the divisions has its own plan. The fourth part is what I call retention and lead campaign. So you heard me say earlier, you know, each quarter there should be two lead campaigns. You know, it could be an email campaign, it could be a president's breakfast, it could be a variety of things. But basically, you would have lead campaigns, and you base, and you could be as simple as saying for each of the quarters, this is what we're doing. I also think it's important in this day and time, because repeat rate is so important in contract education that we have retention campaigns. What are you doing to stay in contact with existing clients so that you don't lose them as clients? So that may be communication that's different than the lead campaigns you're doing. You know, it may be every quarter you're selling, sending them some content or every quarter you're making a call to them. Or um, you know, every quarter you're checking in and, you know, and saying, you know, asking them, just saying, you know, we're collecting some information, just trying to understand how you're doing right now. So that helps us build products, engaging them in advisory groups, things like that. Those are things that could be part of a retention campaign. And then the last part is who does what. So who on staff does what? And we always talk at learn that there's four key areas: there's sales. There's product development, which is the building of the products that actually are gonna get delivered. There's operations that supports that delivery, but also supports sales. And then there's um, inside sales, which is your lead generation. So for some of you, you wear all four hats. And I understand that. And yours will be the only name down here. And these are the key things that you do. If you've got two people on staff, then this is how the job responsibilities split. The point here is, If you've got more than one person, it is better to split the responsibilities than it is to operate where everyone does everything. Because in that case, we just don't get as much done as we wanna get done. So let me just go back. I'm I'm gonna give you a schedule for this in a moment. But before that, let me just sort of review by saying, you wanna have a vision statement. You wanna know where you wanna be in three years you could sit down and do that vision statement in two hours. So don't worry about perfection and guess that the first time you do it, it's gonna be 50% right. So don't stress about it. The strategic plan, you know, once we know sort of, or have a structure to the plan and let's assume we've got the foundation piece done because that's sort of just documentation. The other part, yeah, that might take us a day and a retreat to work on and figure out. And again, the first time you do it, you'll probably be 50% effective. The one-year business plan, we're talking about working on that over a three month period of time. I think that gives you plenty of time. You might not be able to do all the things that I've said here. If you can do half of them, then you've done at least half of them towards having an effective business plan. But again, I would focus first on a one-year business plan before I worry about a strategic plan. And I can't build a strategic plan unless I've done a vision statement. So the vision statement and one-year business plan are way more important up front than the strategic plan is. We need to have those two in place, one-year business plan first. So if we talk about a process, so let's assume, again, that your fiscal year starts July 1. So between July and August, if you don't have a vision statement, you're going to build it. And if you do have one, you're gonna review it. So every year you're gonna come back and review your vision statement because now you're going one more year out. Between September and October, you would build or update your strategic plan. So again, the first time you build it, it will take much more time than it's gonna take to build it the second time or update it the second time. Between November and December, you're gathering the information you need for your one-year business plan. So you're looking at your finances for the last two years, plus is the first half of that fiscal year you're in. You're looking at other numbers that you're tracking. You know, you're just, you're, you're getting a sense of sort of what you think is realistic for the next coming fiscal year. Between January and March, you build the one-year business plan. And then between April and June, you roll out the one-year business plan. So it's a year you know, basically a year's worth of time where we're handling all three of these. And again, let me say is that it doesn't need to be perfect. You know, just say we're going to spend X amount of time on it. We're going to come up with the best that we can come up with. Um, And normally it takes three years until someone sort of feels like the three of these, your vision statement, your strategic plan, and your one-year business plan are sort of really where you want them to be. And they're sort of set up routinely enough that it's easy enough for you to do the updating, et cetera, that needs to be done. So, um, as I said, there's lots of other models out there. The the concept is, is that there are three major buckets, vision, strategic, and one-year business plan that need to be part of this process. Um, And yours may look different, but those three components most likely are gonna be part of it somewhere. All right, so left about eight minutes or so for questions or comments, you know, feel free to throw a virtual tomato and say that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, whatever is going to help you here, I'm happy to answer questions about, provide whatever information on I can.
0: Thank you, Greg, so much. I know probably some of you might feel like this is the fire hose, but we do record these webinars and we will post it on our podcast as soon as our wonderful friend Micah gets it up there for us. So keep an eye on our podcast uh, channel. And if you have any questions, uh, here's one. Oh, what does he charge to work with us? (laughs) Um, So, so Greg, That is a good question. So I, Greg is an independent consultant. He is the, um, partner of Learn. So he is available for consulting
1: services. Yeah, well, let me just say that you, you know, as CTAP, have a contract with us this year where I'm providing certain services. And so any of you feel free to email me or ask me questions during the year that I can answer for you. If, for example, you wanted me to help you build your one-year business plan, then that would be a project. And I would say to you, this is what it would cost to do that. One of the other things is is that organizations that are members of LEARN get three hours and that's pretty flexible, three hours of free technical assistance. So a lot of times members may contact me and say, hey, could you do that presentation I heard for our whole team? Or could you take a look at X that we've done and give us feedback on it? And that's part of LEARN membership. So you've got services that we provide through CTAP, um, and feel free to just ask me questions, and you know. And then there are services that can be provided through Learn.
0: Yeah. So we're getting a question, Greg. Um, the cost of membership for Learn, uh, what what is that for an individual?
1: For for an organization, a community college, it's seven hundred and forty five dollars.
0: And and there's a lot of benefits. I'm going to say to that membership, there's a lot that they offer. So that's that's really. Uh, that's a great price, I'm gonna say. But
1: standard things um, that we do is like we'll critique your brochures or sales kits, we'll we'll analyze your registration data for you. This is all part of membership. You know, you get the three hours of free technical assistance, you get you know the normal discounts and things you get being part of a member of an organization. So um, you know, I I, I think you know, there's certainly when you look at it from a dollars and cents point of view, it's certainly well worth it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And some other, um, the podcast link is, uh, I tried to, okay, everybody, I did try to do this technically and I can't figure it out. It's in my email signature. Um, so I'll send out an email to everybody that'll say, look at the podcast link. Once this webinar does get posted, cause I'm getting a lot of uh, questions about that. And another uh, individual said they really zoned in on your comment about the post lockdown demand. The wave of demand is something that our credit and community ed programs need to be aware of as well. So how do we avoid the scatter gun approach that sometimes comes from our chancellor's presidents when they want to grab at everything or do what all the neighbors are doing when it doesn't fit our strategic and business plan? So that's, yeah, a word of, what advice do you have? Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I I probably empathize with you more than anyone because I work with people up the ladder in your organizations as I try to convince them that it is important to let you do what you need to do. I think the big piece of it is education. I think the other part of it is letting them connect with other successful colleges where their president is supportive of what they're doing in um, contract education, continuing ed, or, or vice president or some level in the, in the organization who can speak to you know, that this has worked, Um, because normally they're not gonna listen to me, they're not gonna listen to you, but they're gonna listen to another college who says, yes, you know, you need to let them focus, you need to to invest in X things in order them be successful. And there's certainly, you know, definitely successful programs out there that I connect people with who you can talk to too. But I think the big piece of it is education. Some of the things that I was saying earlier about the mission and about cycles and things like that are all things that it is your responsibility to educate them about.
0: Thank you, Greg. Okay, I have put the podcast link in the chat. I'm I'm learning these things. So everybody, thank you for your patience with me. So what other questions do we have for Greg? We've got um, about four minutes left. Any other questions for Greg that we can answer while we're all together? You could unmute yourself or you could type it in chat.
1: I will, once I've written up a few things on preparing for the WAVE, I will pass that on to Margaret to share with you. So I'm doing that now and probably through mid-February. We do have at LEARN, we do have a contract training advisory group. So any organization that's a member can have someone on that advisory group. And that's really the group I work with to listen to what they're doing, the actions they're taking. And really, that's what I'm sharing um, when I take a look at sort of when I when I then report out what's happening in the industry. So we're meeting in the middle of February um, and actually three people are speaking during that presentation about three things each of them are doing in order to prepare for the wave.
0: Okay all right well um, I don't see any other questions. Um, I'll say once again Greg thank you so very much. you're such a wealth of knowledge and I appreciate how you tailor this for our state and our practitioners. And just to remind you that we do have an upcoming webinar um, on February 23rd and March 23rd and Faith and I will be sending out uh, through our listserv invitations to join us on those two webinars.
1: And here's my contact information. So if anyone wants to email me, be my guest. And then there you've got contact information to learn.
0: Yeah. Karen uh, Lieber says, can you report out again for his WAVE info? I'm sorry. What does that mean? Can he report out again? He's preparing a report that will be done this spring, Karen,
1: and I so and I will be completed. I will include that as part of my presentation at the summit. So I think that's probably going to be one of the things people would like to hear. So most likely, you hopefully you get some information on it before then. But I will. I'm doing a presentation at the summit, and I will talk about that.
0: Okay, and. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to say one last thing before I end. Everybody be safe. We're having some crazy weather in California, so please stay safe and stay warm and um, just appreciate everything everybody's doing out there in their regions and uh, keep up the good work.